Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. Good morning. How art thou? Oh, I got you on that one. I'm not used to King James. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> you ever swallow your spit right before you talk publicly? <clears throat> yeah, never swallow your spit right before you talk. <clears throat> I'm okay, thank you. Um, so, I remember at the the, be- or the end of last year, I just really feel like God is, is doing something here in this in this community. And, um, and, and sometimes God has a funny way of doing things because it's not always according to my plan, which I believe would make my life much easier if he would just go according to my plan. Like I woke up in the morning, I said, God, this is what I need you to do for me. And he went, oh, of course, Dennis, let's just get right on that. Jesus, hello. But it's not always that way. And so uh, what we're doing is we're, we're making some, we're making some uh, big changes. Um, the scripture promises us that... He will supply all of our needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus, okay? And so, um, and, and, and I look at that word as he supplies all of our needs. And so as we're moving as a church, we have found that it's not um, in good stewardship. It's not uh, financially responsible to continue to keep our offices off-site. And so what we're going to do is we're going to bring them back to the building, which means that we're going to kind of cut the children's church room in half. We're going to build a wall. <laughs> it's, it's not an executive order or in a state of emergency. <laughs> um, but, and, and so we're going to divide that up, and we're going to move the offices back to the church uh, because we want to make sure that we are, again, um, financially responsible with what God has given us. And we don't want to um, use up uh, in, 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 um, in earnest what he, what he gives. Uh, we want to make sure that we're kind of maintaining, we're not kind of, we want to maintain the will of God. And so it's kind of exciting, you know, we get to come back here um, and, and be in the building. And um, so if there's going to be some construction going on in the next week uh, or next, uh, next month, God had given us favor with our landlord. He's actually even letting us out of our lease early. And um, he's giving us our uh, security deposit back, uh, which, is, which is very, you know, very nice of him. Only because he found somebody to take our space and he got to jack up the rent 400 bucks more a month. But I'm sure that had nothing, nothing to do with it. Uh, he had planned on it anyway. Um, it's, it's a nice piece of um, office area. So, uh, so you could be praying for uh, Mike Rowe, who is going to lead our little effort on building a wall and, uh, and, 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 putting schmutz in it to make it soundproof so the children don't um, hear each other. <laughs> Fat chance, you can hear them through that wall coming this way. Um, so that's just kind of what's going on uh, in the next month. And if you're not doing anything on the day of the move, uh, you can strongly bring your muscles to the office and help us move. I have probably... I think 7,462 pounds of books that need to be moved uh, box by box. So um, 
see me if you want to help. And if you don't want to help, I will see you and we'll get you to help anyway. Okay. So (laughs) father, we thank you for the love that you have for your church. Thank you for the joy that you have given us in Christ. Thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you for your presence in this community. Thank you for your presence that has been with us for so many years and that we we are assured and we are confident that you are moving forward with us. Uh, Your promise is that you, you will never leave us. You've never forsaken us. And we thank you for the blessings that you pour out on us constantly. Thank you for what you're doing here in this community. Thank you for the favor that you've given us Uh, as a church, as a community, and in the favor that you've given to those people, uh, individuals in their lives. And I pray a blessing upon each and every person here today. And so, Father, this morning, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. So, I found a story online, and I don't know if it's true, And so I took the liberty of changing it because I didn't like the way the story kind of read. But this is the way the story goes. Many years ago, there was a rich landowner in the South. And this landowner, when he became rich and bought all his property, he he was a young man. And he had a young bride. And because he had lots of money, he was able to hire servants. For his households. And he hired one young servant kind of to be in charge of all the other servants. Maybe he called that a butler or, but, but he was like the head honcho. And so this family, this, this young wealthy landowner and his wife and then children came into the picture and, and grandchildren. And this one servant stayed with him all year after year after year after year and stayed with him. And finally, the, the man's wife, she passed away. And years are, years are getting on for him. And as he's growing older, so is this, this servant of his that's been with him for so long. He became part of their family. And so at the very end of the landowner's uh, life, he wants to make sure that this gentleman who has been with him all of his adult years pretty much was taken care of. And so he leaves in his will that this this servant is going to get $5 million when he, when he, um, when he dies. And so uh, the inevitable happens. Uh, the gentleman dies. Uh, the estate and the lawyer and bankers, they come and, and they meet with, with everyone in the family. And, and uh, they tell this servant that uh, he has now $5 million in an account in the bank. That is his. He can draw off of... Every time, anytime he wants. He could take it all out. He can take a little bit of it out. It's his to do whatever he wants with. Well, a year goes by, two years go by, three years go by, and uh, the banker notices that this account hasn't been touched. In fact, it's growing because of interest earned, and there's more money to get in, but, but he, hasn't, he hasn't touched anything. And so they, they reach out to this servant, and they say, you know, you have this, this millions of dollars available. In fact, there's even more than the original $5 million in there, and it's, it's available to you at any time, and, and you haven't touched it in, in three years. And the servant thinks for a moment, who is now retired, and he said, oh, 
well then, I, I wonder if you can afford to give me a couple dollars so I can buy lunch today. The story is very much like the church. We are that servant. And we sometimes, in the spiritual sense, live as, as paupers. See, we have the knowledge up here of knowing that we have this unlimited spiritual resource and power that's available to us. It's, it's beyond our human explanation. It, 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 it kind of it transcends what's, what's reasonable. It's all there just for the asking. And, and we don't ask. We settle, spiritually speaking. We settle for nothing. It's like we have this unlimited multi-million dollar account in the heavenly kingdom and we're hoping for five bucks, but we'd settle for 250. You see, God has so much more for us than we can ever, ever imagine. God has so much more for us than we could ever experience. I'm talking about the abundant life that Jesus came, promised because of his death and resurrection. I'm not talking about more things. I'm not talking about more stuff. I'm not talking about being religiously busy, running here, running there, looking holier than thou. I'm talking about living a life in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We are going to spend some time digging into the Holy Spirit. I have no idea how long this series is going to last. I really don't. Usually I can, I have an idea, but, but I don't, it could be three weeks, it could be 30 weeks. I'm going to be sensitive to what God wants to tell the church, tell me. I really believe that as individuals and as we come together in a community, man, we're missing something. And it's okay because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, but there is so much more that he has for his church. In John, his gospel Chapter 14, it says this, and this is the words of Jesus. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You know, I find that we take these words... And we, um, we try to make them comfortable. We try to make, put them in a box and make sure they, uh, they're neat and they're clean and they, 
and they're theologically correct. We don't want to be too far out there with, with our, uh, our expectations, maybe, of, of what Jesus can or can't do. In fact, if you study through these verses, many, um, not many, but there, there are scholars uh, in the Reformed school of, of theology that would take this idea of greater things than these and just attribute them to conversions, So what they say Jesus is saying is that, you know, I have kind of spread the news of the kingdom, but you're going to spread it even further. And and so there's going to be more more fruits to your evangelizing than, than, than mine because I am going to the Father. And, you know, and, and you think about that, and, and really when you think about, when you think about the human spirit, going from death to life, going from darkness to light because of the transformation of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus has now invaded that person's life through the Spirit. I mean, really, it's, it's just an amazing story. In fact, all heaven rejoices over one. Over one, heaven is rocking and rolling because one person. And so every time, and, and it's just this beautiful picture of God's love and God's grace and his desire that he would... He, he wishes that no one would perish. And we know there is some truth to this idea that because Jesus goes to the Father, that um, from the day of Pentecost on in, in Acts, there has been a swell of people who believe in Jesus. Like those 12 disciples and, 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 you know, the people they were associated with, they started to tell people and they started to tell people. And then they went over there and they started to tell people and they started to tell people. And those people were told and those people were told. And then some people got on a boat and it came over here and then they started telling people. And we are the result of people telling people telling people about the gospel. I mean, you're here because Jesus told that ragtag bunch, bunch you're going to be my witness. And we are the results of that. But you know, I have grown now. Um, I've been following Christ for 23 years. Uh, I've been a pastor. This will be my 15th year in April um, that I've been pastoring. And I am no longer comfortable with the Bible being comfortable. I'm no longer comfortable with trying to um, make things comfortable. Uh, I'm tired of of trying to polish God's word uh, into some theological constructs of human origin just so it can be better explained from from a humanistic perspective. Because what Jesus said is that um, he who believes in him will do the works, plural, I've been doing. You could just take a message, tell them I'm busy, thanks. Um, do the works that, that, that I am doing. And see, I don't believe it's just about this idea of converting people to follow Christ. I do believe that there's more involved because of what the Bible teaches, the full counsel of God, what it teaches in here. Now, it's exciting to think it's, a, it's exciting to think that, okay, Jesus comes, right, and he intros the kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, and he goes on and he teaches and he preaches. 
right? And, and, and people begin to follow him and he heals the sick. He gives sight to the blind, physical and, and spiritual sight to, to the blind. And, and he helps people that, can, that were deaf and they can hear and people who can't speak. And, and he's healing diseases like leprosy and, and whatever else, the crippled. And he raises people from the dead. And he says, we will do greater works than these. But here's the tension that I found in the church, and I'm talking church capital C. We haven't even got to that point yet. Like we haven't even got to the works of Jesus, plural. And I don't really know what greater than these looks like. But it's exciting to think about to me. More people healed of sickness and disease. More people coming to know him. More people being raised from the dead. I think, why have we limited the power of God to just works of getting people to believe in Jesus? I mean, I mean, it's, it's no little thing, and I'm not taking away of the importance because that's where it really, it, it all, be, all begins. But Jesus operated his entire life in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so why has the church just settled for $2.50? God has given us an endless expense account for the kingdom. And he invites us into that. As Jesus continues in John 14, he says this, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. If we love Jesus, then we will keep his commands. And it's not just about the new command that he gave his disciples at the Last Supper, about loving one another. Commands is plural. And so, if we love him, we will follow him. If we love him, we will be obedient to the things that he calls us to do. The evidence of our love of him is our obedience to him. And he has made this promise that he will send a helper, an advocate, the spirit of truth, given specifically to those who love Jesus, not to the world. Because the world doesn't know him. The world can't know him. But for those following Christ, the promise is the Father is going to send something that's, that's very, very special. In fact, later on in, in the chapter, and I'm sorry I didn't, I didn't give Dana this verse. Later on in the chapter, in verse 25, or I'm sorry, verse 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and remind you of everything that I have said. So this spirit of truth that's going to be given to us is going to teach us all things and going to remind us of everything that Jesus said. Notice it doesn't say that the Spirit is going to teach us everything that Jesus said. It says he's going to teach us all things and included, he's going to remind us everything that Jesus taught. This is the work of the Spirit. And so how do we share the gospel? Well, the Holy Spirit will teach us. How do we heal the sick? The Holy Spirit will teach us. How do we discern spirits? Spirit will teach us. How do we how do we see take part in signs and wonders? The Spirit will teach us. How do we raise the dead? The Spirit will teach us. Again, it says that this advocate sent by the Father will teach us all things. Not some, not most, all things. And remind us of what Jesus said. And so, this spirit, like, did God send it yet? Is it here? Are we still waiting? Great question. Thanks for asking. It parlays quite nicely into where I'm headed this morning. Now remember, Jesus, fully God... Fully man comes to earth, lives this life in power and authority, sinless, blameless, is crucified, dies, is risen from the dead by the power of God, appears to his disciples, shows them, go ahead, come on, Tom, put your, put your finger in there, check it out, it's me, appears to 500 others, Hangs around for a while. And then when he's getting ready to leave, because he has to go back to the Father, he tells this group of his followers, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want to chill out. I want you to hang out and wait. Because the Father is going to send you what has been promised. And so wait for it. And... In Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Yep, it's not there. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'll read it for you. I have a Bible. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. How do they know? Jesus said, you'll know. When the Father sends this gift, this advocate, this helper, the spirit of truth, you'll know because you will receive power. Xenomis, say it with me. Xenomis, it's Greek for power. It, It means that you have the potential to exert force in performing some type of function. Power will come upon you when the spirit of the God shows up. 
you will be given the potential to exert force. You no longer have to settle for the 250. And so they wait. Now, now we, we tend to take the humanness out of the Bible. And what I mean by that is we just kind of read the narrative and it's very just kind of one dimensional. We read the story and, you know, Jesus said, okay, just kind of hang out and wait and the, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll receive power. Then you're going to be my witness. But just think about for a minute this, this group hiding out because all of this just came unglued in Jerusalem and Jesus is crucified and people are being arrested and he, and he gets uh, raised from the dead and, and all the government officials are freaked out and the Jewish leaders are freaked out because the, the stone got rolled away and, and there's prison guards that are in trouble because they let the stone get rolled away and there's a cover-up going on. And so these disciples, they're hanging out in the upper room and I gotta imagine that they're a little bit on edge. Jesus said, just sit tight, wait. You'll know when the spirit gets here because you will receive this power. And I can imagine like, okay, day goes by, two days goes by. Did, did we miss it? Is it coming? I, I don't know. He said to wait. No, I can't wait anymore. No, I, I got to go. I, I think I feel the power. No, Peter, that's your breath. You haven't brushed your teeth in a few days. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm sure something's going on. No, no, Jesus said wait. He said he will know. Yeah, but it's been five days. Yeah, okay, yeah but, we, but we have to wait. No, it's been six days. It's been seven days. No, no. He said, just hang out. Stop arguing with me. And then... And then something happens. After waiting, I would imagine arguing, being frustrated, wondering, did it happen? Did we miss it? Is it going to happen? Did he lie? Oh my goodness, what's, what's going down? We see this in Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And there it is. What was promised to them was given to them the gift of the Father, the power of God has come upon the church, these disciples, and they now possess the potential to exert force, the force of light into the darkness of this world to make a difference for his kingdom, to be his witness. The power has come upon the church to do greater things than Jesus did. Wind, fire, supernatural utterances. When they talk about the tongues of fire kind of landing on the head and this, the sound of a violent wind, they're really trying to describe something in, in humanistic terms that is supernatural and beyond what anybody has ever experienced ever in the world. And so they're, they're trying to kind of put words to something that there are no words. But they're filled with power. They're filled with the Spirit of God. 
And this, you know, fire has always kind of been, a, uh, throughout the scripture, has been a symbol of the presence of God. You see all the way back, uh, uh, Moses and the burning bush, uh, you know, the, the bush catches on fire. Mount Sinai, when, when fire and, and thunder and lightning and all this cool stuff was taking place, you know, the presence of God was there. But now something different is taking place because the presence of God is no longer just over an entire nation. See, with the power of the Spirit that has come upon the church, the presence of God now rests upon each and every believer who loves Jesus and follows his commands. Each and every believer has been given the Spirit of God. And now, not only do we have the Spirit, but there's an enabling of our obedience. There's an igniting of our love. And there is a, an act, activation of real power in this world. The door is now open for the kingdom of God to move forward right here. This is the beginning. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, well, who is this Holy Spirit, dude? I mean, God said he's going to send him. Jesus has got to go back. And then we get the, this Holy Spirit, and there's this, this power thing that's going to happen. But, but who is the Holy Spirit? Well, the very simple, straight-up answer is the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, which means that God is one, yet exists in three eternally, eternal, separate persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one, but yet they are Three. Now, we have to, I just want to kind of simplify things a little bit. We have to understand that Father, Son, Spirit are a third of the whole. Father, Son, Spirit are the whole of the whole. They're, they're, they're not lessened in any way. It's not a, uh, the Father is not a third of God and the Son is the third. No, no, they are all, the Father is all God in the one and the son is all God still in the same one. And the spirit is all God in the same one. The father, son, and spirit are not three different ways of looking at God. The father, son, spirit is they're, they're not just three different roles that God plays. And yet the father and the son and the spirit are three distinct persons. See, in John 3.16, it tells us that, that Jesus, uh, the Father sent Jesus. And then in chapter 16, it tells us that Jesus is going to go back to the Father. And when Jesus goes back to the Father, then the Father and Jesus will send us the spirits in his um, absence, his physical absence here on earth. Three distinct, yet one. Three holes as part of the one whole. 
there's no way to easily understand it. There's no way, I know there's all kinds of analogies and ways we try to figure it out, but they, they just pale in comparison to what the mystery really is. Embrace the mystery because it will scramble your eggs. Well, let me scramble your eggs a little bit more as I'm, I can hear the fork in the bowl. So check this out, ready? God the Father is all God. Jesus is all God. Holy Spirit is all God. And yet they're one. So when Jesus prays to the Father, he's not praying to himself. He's praying to the Father, yet he is one with the Father. Three distinct personhoods of God. See, the Holy Spirit now is not a force of God, but a person, as best that we can explain and understand, a person of the Trinity. Because the Spirit is referred to as as he or him in John chapter 14. The Spirit speaks, it tells us in Hebrews 3. The Spirit reasons, it says in Acts 15. Thinks and understands as it's unpacked for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Spirit has a will, 1 Corinthians 12. The Spirit feels, it tells us in, in Ephesians 4. The, the Spirit is about, it gives personal fellowship. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13. These are all characteristics, attributes of, of personhood. And so the, the Holy Spirit is not just some, some force of God. The Holy Spirit is fully God and a person in and of himself. Three real persons. One God. Three holes of one whole. The Spirit of God is no way inferior to the Father or the Son. The Spirit is equal in power and in love and in mercy and grace and justice and holiness and knowledge and and, and, and continuing and, and, and et cetera and et cetera, et cetera. Fully God is the Spirit. See, it's it's hard for our finite brains to comprehend infinite ideas. And so we try our best, but embrace the mystery of the Trinity. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, oh, balding one, why have you introduced us to the Trinitarian theology this morning? Again, I am so grateful that you're full of such good questions that just segue as I just kind of move right through this. First Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Are you, are you catching what I'm throwing down right now? Are you stepping in what I'm, what I'm putting down? The Holy Spirit in you, whom you received from God. Let that sink in for a moment. Marinate in that short verse. The creator of the universe, everything seen and unseen, God. God eternal, no beginning, no end. God has always been God, and he will always be God. Omniscience, God. Like he, he knows everything, even more than a teenager. God knows everything. 
There's nothing that he does not know. Omnipresent God, he is everywhere, all of the time. God is fully present here in Cheshire, Connecticut, Oasis Church, and he's fully present in my friend's church in Thailand right now. Well, maybe not now because it's 11 o'clock at night, 11.30. Present everywhere, God. Omnipotent God. He has unlimited power. There's that saying, well, if God has unlimited power, can God create a rock big enough that God can't move? The answer is yes, and then he can move it. God is all-powerful. All power resides in him. And if the Holy Spirit is fully God, then that lives in you. That power lives in you as a follower of Christ. He lives in us. We lack nothing. We are not partially involved in this. It's the power pool that the disciples were given on that day we call Pentecost. And it's the same power that we have been given, the Holy Spirit. And yet so often, and I'm part of the church I'm talking about. We live in spiritual mediocrity. We hope to get through the day. We, we hope that God shows up. We, and you can just fill in the blanks. We settle for so much less than what is available to the church. The Holy Spirit, a mighty wind, a consuming fire. The Holy Spirit just waiting to burst out of each and every believer and manifest himself out into the world to push back the darkness, to bring glory to the name of Jesus. That's what lives. That's the potential that each and every follower of Christ has. And so going forward whether it be for three weeks or 30 weeks, I don't know. We're going to talk about this power that lives in us. We're going to talk about what it means that God the Spirit can live within us. We're going to talk about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Can anybody tell me all the fruit of the Spirit? Wait, Taryn, sing in the song. Go ahead, Taryn, sing. Woo-hoo. We're going to talk about what that means. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Things like wisdom and knowledge and faith and healing and miracles, prophecy, the discerning of spirits, the speaking in tongues. Ooh. I know people get freaked out when they hear about that. Join us coming up in March, Wednesday night. We're having a study on the introduction to the Holy Spirit. And we'll, we'll discuss the, the four manifestations of the Spirit as he, as he manifests himself in the idea of, of speaking in another language and in, in tongues. Prophecy. Paul says, I wish you would all prophesy. 
because it builds up the church. Discerning spirits. There's a spiritual realm that is, that is taking place right here, right now. That we don't see, but by the power of the spirit manifesting in us, we have the ability to discern and see and know. I want to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and how it's different from water baptism. And how it's a, it's a, it's a moment where we can receive power. Yannel would say it's kind of the, the generator gets started. And that, that, that thing churns in us. I hope by the end of this, that we're going to be laying hands on people to receive this, the Holy Spirit. See, I really believed last year that God was going to do something here at our church. And I believe it all the more. I've been, I've been studying and praying and wrestling. What does it mean to really walk in the spirit. I just, we have just, we have watered it down. We have robbed it of its power. We have made it comfortable, explainable. Well, like I said, I'm no longer comfortable with making the Bible comfortable because I want to see, I want to see glory be given to Jesus through the church and the manifestation of the power of the Spirit. And so here we go. Things might get interesting around here. Father, thank you that you love us and that you have given these promises to us. And now I ask... I ask that you would reveal the truth of your Holy Spirit to this church. I'm excited for what you're doing, Lord. We love you. Thank you for the gifts that you've given us. And we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I love you guys. We'll see you next week.